In this episode, we talk cocktails, we talk distilleries, we talk the Kentucky Bourbon Trail with Kevin of Imbibitude. Be sure to reach out to Kevin and let him know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, F.A. Nation, let's meet our guests. Yes, you have reached the Fermented Adventure, the podcast. And today I'm joined by Kevin with Imbibitude. Hey, Kevin. Hello. Thanks for having me. You, You reached out to us, Kevin. You talked to us about your experiences on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, on the Kentucky Craft Bourbon Trail. And I said, well, this is this is exactly what, you know, for, for Dawn and I, what we do, mm-hmm. where we meet people out on our adventure and we strike up these conversations and we learn about what they do. And you are very much unique to how you approach things, but it's also very similar to the people we get to meet on the trail. So you know, you know, we don't have a little bit of whiskey in front of us right now. It's 11 a.m. on a Friday, but we will talk a little bit about your journey and and, and introduce people to you and very similar to, I think, what a lot, a lot of people out there are doing. So, Kevin, how did Imbibitude get started? Well, again, thanks for having me and uh, giving me a, uh, an opportunity to talk about my experience. Um, you know, before I answer that question, I, I'd like to comment on what you just said about, you know, meeting meeting people. And for me, that's one of the greatest pleasures of enjoying going on, going to these distilleries, being completing the trails, uh, going to all these tastings. It, to me, it's a great equalizer that no matter where I am in the country, uh, no matter who you are, your background, your interests, where you hail from, everyone it just it's the great equalizer. And we all sit around sipping whatever we're sipping on and we're laughing and we're sharing stories. And it's just a great feeling. And, I'm, and I appreciate that. So um, but to answer your question, uh, some many years ago, I just began to to get interested in cocktail and mixolo- cocktail making mixology. And I was going out to a lot of high-end cocktail bars to learn, learn more about ingredients. And I went to one and they had a special cocktail that my friend ordered. And when she got it, she really didn't like it because it, she said it tasted like a campfire. And so I took it from her and I tasted it and I said, well, this is delicious. What is it? And that's how I got introduced to peated scotch because that was one of the ingredients in that cocktail. And Peated scotch, as I tried to explore that, I then started to explore more about uh, bourbon. My grandfather was a big bourbon person, so I, I kind of felt like I was following in his footsteps. Um, and living up in Massachusetts at the time, rum is a big deal up in Massachusetts. So I 
I found out about some local rum distilleries near me and I went from there. And before I know it, here I am over a hundred distilleries later and completed multiple trails and just enjoying the journey. Well, you, you talked about your grandfather's, you know, bourbon, you know, enjoyment. So yes. what was your experience with that? And, and, you know, that's very, very early on in your life. What was the impact for that? Well, it was huge. And it, I have so many fond memories of my grandfather, but the, you know, bourbon was, you know, one of his great joys. Um, he worked really hard. You know, my grandfather was a, a product of the depression. He always worked super hard. And, you know, now in his later years where he was able to be comfortable and settle down and relax, he really enjoyed his bourbon. And my sister and I, as little kids, um, we would always sneak him a little more because grandma didn't want him to have any more. So if grandma wasn't looking, we could grab the jug of IW Harper and we could run it over to his glass and give him a little more. And if you got hit, you know, the nod from grandpa, you knew that you, you did right by him. And that became, it became a game. Like who could sneak bourbon to grandpa? Um, so I just have so many good memories of that, that when I explore more and it, he predominantly, he predominantly was drinking, um, in my childhood in the 70s and the 80s when bourbon was kind of in the slump so there weren't a lot of options so today when i go out and i explore what is now available in bourbon i feel like i'm there's a part of me that gets to explore it for him now did you get any of the bottles that might have been left did, were they bequeathed to you or did they go all to your sister <laughs> no they went to me they went to me there wasn't a lot um like i said because at the time there there weren't a lot of um bottles on the shelf um and for maybe it's just he was a creature of habit so he always exclusively drank iw harper so i i did inherit what was left of his iw harper bourbon collection and then a couple of other things that are you know galliano <laughs> stuff that is fine but i don't usually sip on galliano that's a, a nice uh, cocktail, a nice uh, spirit to make a Harvey Wallbanger out of. And I think that's the only thing you make out of Galliano. So I don't know. It's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking of just cocktails and random cocktails. So on Fridays, you know, Dawn and I will make a cocktail. We'll light the fire, you know, just our relaxation time. And I'm thinking, I'd, I'd like to make a something out of Galliano because that big bottle in the back it's of the a bar. Looking bottle, right? Yeah, it'd be fun. So uh, that's funny that it kind of found its way into our conversation. Now, you know, you talk about, you know, in the beginning, how, you know, going out to distilleries or, you know, I know you go to other spirit providers and wineries and such. Where did you realize that that was, you know, a thing for you? Because I can tell you for Dawn and I when it was, but when was it something that became a thing? I would say um from, for, for the distillery specifically, I would say it was the, the moment that I went to my first distillery. Um, I had I never visited an alcohol production facility, whether it be wine or beer or, or hard spirits. And um, up in Massachusetts, up in Ipswich, there's a, a rum distillery called Privateer. And they were you know 30 minutes from where I was living. And I decided to go up and check them out. And the moment I arrived there, just everything about it, the smell the like the the factory aspect of it the very tactile aspect of it you know i i work a desk job um and i get jealous of people who you know are able to do more tactile things like that more creative things so i just felt 
it just it felt very grounding and and then when they started with the history of the rum trade and the, uh, what a privateer is and just everything about it i completely fell in love and i knew i had to explore more distilleries um and so i did and not only did you explore you went on and you went to kentucky mm-hmm. and you completed the bourbon trail and you've also completed the craft bourbon trail yes. did that just become for you this sense of competition for yourself that yeah, you know, it's out there and I'm going to get it done, right? It, it it did. It was it was a confluence of multiple goals. Um uh prior to uh recording, we were talking about how, you know, a few years ago I sold my home and so I've used this last few opportunity last few years to take the opportunity to travel across the United States and my goal was to go to all 50 states. Um I am one state shy. I will be going to Alaska in August and I will complete my 50 state tour. Um so I com- I wanted to also I set a goal for completing being able to go to over 100 distilleries. And so I said, well, I want to do 50 states and I want to go to 100 distilleries. This is perfect. So for the past few years, I've just been crisscrossing the United States, visiting distilleries. And Kentucky's great because it's kind of in the middle. So if I want to transition to the West Coast, if I want to transition back to the East Coast, Kentucky's a great sort of central spot to be for a few days and just hit a whole bunch of distilleries. So I didn't do it in one trip. I mean, it's, it is over 40 distilleries uh, to complete both the trails. Uh, I did it in, I believe, uh, four, four or five visits. See, the hard part is they keep adding more. I know. More distilleries <laughs> come online. So yeah. you now have to replan your trip to go down there and say, all right, I got to hit the old ones yes. that I really like and then hit the new ones that just have come online. Yeah. And some of them, when you go down, may be closed for tours or tastings and different things that go on. Now, you, that's, you know, you that, that's glad you said that. It's a big, that's something you really have to pay attention to. It's a commitment. Yeah. It really is. And yeah. as you talked about cocktails and one of the things for, again, Dawn and I, it's not just about specifically Kentucky or Tennessee, but it's, it's just, it's not just the distilleries. It's also, there are plenty of wonderful cocktail bars that you can yeah. come up to, let's say in Louisville, in Lexington, in Nashville. So there's, there's, Hey, at the end of the day, after you've been sipping bourbon and different things all day, let's go out for cocktails. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 I adore a good cocktail bar. Um, like I love, I love the the ambiance and the craft. I mean, I find it fascinating that, that a person can look at all these thousands of bottles and just come up with a combination of things that, that work together and keep doing, keep replicating that over and over and over. It, it just fascinates me. So I, I have some favorite cocktail bars I've been to around the country. There are so many more. I mean, I could just, I could do road trips just to go to cocktail bars. <laughs> There's a never ending amount of content yeah. of places that you stumble upon places that uh, do like, let's say, um, there, there are theme nights. There are yeah. different places that you can go to that change and 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 mix right. up. So it's always refreshing. It's always something new. Right. Can I give a shout out to a few of my favorites? Oh yeah. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> um, so my my probably my absolute favorite uh, mixology cocktail bar that I, I I'd go to over and over and over and over again. And some of it is also just because of the personal memories I've had there. It's a place called Drink in boston massachusetts um it's uh it's kind of like a a semi-submerged uh bar you go you go it's like garden level i guess what they call that and you go down a few steps and the bar is 
there's nothing on the bar. There's no bottles. There are no glasses. There's nothing. It's just this uh, sort of butcher block cabinet zigzag bar. And it's very Scandinavian looking. And their whole thing is you, they, you don't, they don't have all these bottles behind the bar and they don't give you all of these um, cocktail lists. They just say to you, what do you like? Uh, what flavor profiles do you like? Or I I've even gone so far as to say to them, hey, you know, I remember when I was in Paris and it was a beautiful spring afternoon and, and I was looking at the Eiffel Tower. Can you make me a cocktail that would remind me of that experience? And then they come up with something. So they're they're true artists in the world of mixology. So that's one of my absolute favorite places. Um, let's go halfway to half, kind of halfway across the country. And I would say that the, uh, Fox bar in Nashville is also an incredibly cool sort of speakeasy style cocktail bar. Um, and then on the West coast, uh, Cannon in Seattle is way up there. I mean, there that everyone should make a pilgrimage to Cannon in Seattle. It's just, it's hard to explain this place, but not just cocktails, but they have a whiskey vault that you can get uh, pours from bottles that were distilled in the late 1800s. I mean, it's just an incredible place. See, this is how this happens that, <laughs> you know, this is why, you know, we, we let's say we, you and I just met at a, a bar, at a tour, yeah. you know, at a, at a tasting bar and it, hey, where are you from? Where are you from? The conversation progresses and now we're going down this rabbit hole of, oh, have you been here? Have you been here? You got to go here. Now I'm adding stuff to my list. And now you're adding things to your list. And it's just, that's the fun part of this world, the spirits world, the the fermented adventure, as, as we like to say. You said, you know, you're from the New England area. And I know your goal was to hit 100 distilleries. You could have just cleared that out by staying in New England. I appreciate <laughs> I your zeal for crisscrossing the country, but you could have done that just up there. <laughs> I really I really could have. I mean, when there are, I believe at this point, over 2,500 distilleries across the United States, I mean, it's, it's impossible to go to all. I mean, I guess it's possible, but it would take a few years at least. Um, and new ones are popping up all the time. But you're right. It's I didn't even realize how many distilleries are just in my own backyard. And when I began to explore and realized, wow, you know, New York has a lot of distilleries, um, especially in the Hudson Valley area. And and Connecticut has a whole bunch and Massachusetts has probably, you know, a dozen. And so on and on and on you go. And it's it, like you're right. You can just do 100 in the Northeast. That's what I'm saying. You could have cleared it all out in Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, yeah. Connecticut. I mean, you could have just Maine, Vermont. I mean, yeah. you're literally you, you could have done that in a day. You could have well, really it gives me it gives me an opportunity to work on the next hundred. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and you know, it's funny you say that because again, part of you know when we travel, it's specifically around pinpointing what distilleries, where are we going to go and find these places, and that's how we find our destinations. It's right. these are distilleries we haven't been to, or you know, for for our podcast, it's you know, cideries, meaderies, breweries, wineries, sake breweries, different mm -hmm. things. So there's so much out there, and there's so much fun to be had. Sure. You mentioned some cocktail bars. Do you do you have in your journey? Do you have some distilleries that stand out for you? That you know, these are ones where you say, you know what? Either in anytime I'm in that location, I got to make sure I go back. Or are there places you say, no matter what, I'm I'm not going to. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, uh, these are going to be places I frequent again. Definitely. Um, 
so again, I'll go back to um, my my favorite distillery in the whole entire world is Privateer, and because not only because it was my first distillery um, that I ever went to, but it's just because I lived in Massachusetts, it was so accessible to me. It's the distillery that I visited the most times, and I've had the most uh, varied experiences there. So I got to know at the time I got to know the the president of the company and the, the master distiller. And so I, I formed somewhat of a, of a acquaintanceship with them. And then they allowed me to do a stage there. So I had one day where they let me shadow the distiller. And I did another day where they let me shadow the guest services when all the tastings and the tours came through. Uh, and, you know, I just did it for fun. So I, I have a special place in my heart for them besides the fact that their rum is out of this world. It, I mean, if, just so Kevin, basically they I, said, can you push a broom? Can you wipe things down? Can you, yeah. you know, cause that's what distilling is. It's cleaning. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> can you pick up this hose? Can you yeah. sit here? Can you sit here for a really, really long time and watch the gauge? You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, hours go by and you're just like, what's happening, you know? So, uh, but the but truth really of the really matter is right. to you and I, that's like heaven. That's like, why would I want to do anything else? This right. is so much fun. You guys get to do this every day. And they're looking at you like, going, yeah, we get to do it every yeah, day. Every day, you know, day in and day out. Time to lean, time to clean, get moving there. <laughs> it was great. Uh, also, let's see. Uh, so privateer, I would say that um, uh, Two James Distillery in Detroit, Michigan is I would, if I was ever in the Detroit area, I would go there any day of the week. I, I had just such a wonderful, warm experience when I went. Um, and I think their products are different and just they're different. And I appreciate that. Um, I'd say High Wire in Charleston, South Carolina is also like really up there and one of my favorite places. I, I was very blessed to have an incredible experience where I went on a day, I just sort of stumbled in. I was in Charleston and I stumbled upon the distillery and I went in and, and it was just me. So I had the undivided attention of the uh, woman who was working behind the bar. And I came to find out that she was a food writer. Uh, she has pieces in you know, Food and Wine magazine and so forth. So she was very knowledgeable about the food and beverage space. And so she added just a, that little bit extra to my experience with her stories and what she was able to share with me and the products that come out of that distillery, because it's very grain based. Um, the, the owner used to started, uh, started a company. He was a baker, started a company, sold it. And then he went into the distilling. So as a baker, he was very familiar with the grains and you can tell in the product. So I, I love their products. Like I, I would say Jimmy red corn. It's probably one of my favorite uh, whiskeys out there. This is so enjoyable for me because again, it's it's that experience and you mentioning places that we've been to mm -hmm. and, you know, your breath of what you receive when you talk to these people yeah. and the conversations for us. It's like, what's the grain? What's the mash bill? Yeah. You know, what what's the water you're using? What kind of yeast are you using? You know, where are you getting your bottles? You know, all kind of who, who designs your labels? Right. Yeah, exactly. You want to know all that. And. I know a lot of people wonder, you know, why, why do you care? I'm like, because it's part of the story. Like I, it's more than just, I mean, if it was just like, I consume all sorts of products all day long. Right. You know, like I, whatever it is, a piece of cheese, but I don't go out of my way to, you know, figure out why I'm what goes into that cheese. But when it comes to whiskey, I'm genuinely interested in the history. I, I want to know the culture. I want to know, you know, all, all of what surrounds it, all the stories. So it, it, breathes life into the product. And if 
And when it does that, when you drink it, whether it's whiskey or vodka or any other spirit, if if you really know the history behind it, it's much more than just a drink. That sums up exactly a lot of the conversations that we have. When yeah. you have that connection, it's like, you know, going back to doing, you know, the trail in Kentucky or the Tennessee trail or even in um, even in Pennsylvania, New York, they all have these different kinds of trails. Right. And it's not just the arrival to the distillery, but there's this apprehension of the experience that you're going to have. It's all right. We have to stop for lunch or we have, you know, what are we doing for dinner or, or we need, you know, there's that, there's the waypoints in between <laughs> that become part of that whole experience. You know, you, you're sitting there looking at your watch um, and you're trying to figure, all right, this distillery does tastings on the hour here and this one closes at this time. And how much can we get in where we're coherent? There's a <laughs> lot of that in the planning if you're this much of an enthusiast, right? Yeah. Yeah. So regard with regards to the Kentucky trails and and what you were talking about, like checking hours and times, um, you know, if you if you live in the Kentucky area, you know, if you're in if you're in Tennessee or if you're in Indiana or, or whatever, if you're within a few hours driving, you can pop into Kentucky whenever you want. Then fine. You know, you can just wake up one day and say, oh, let's go to a distillery. If you're traveling in from further afield and you need, you know, you have a week to to do something, you really need to plan many weeks in advance. Um, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail has exploded in popularity, and you can go book, you could go to book a tour at a distillery, and they might be three or four weeks sold out. I mean, like a place like Buffalo Trace, while they're not actually on the, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, if you want to visit them, it's very possible that you're out of luck because they're booked, they're fully booked out for two or three weeks worth of tours. Um, so plan ahead, like look at look at the regions because the Kentucky breaks up the, especially the craft bourbon trail, they break them up into four regions, but look at the regions and see which distilleries are in which environment, like how far they are from each other. And then when are they open? Cause a lot of, a lot of distilleries are closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. And so you get down there, like I made the mistake once of, I got down there on a Saturday afternoon and Sunday, you know, a lot of things are also closed. And then Monday and Tuesday, everything's closed. So I felt like for two and a half days, I was, I had my hands tied with how many places I was able to visit. And I crammed everything into Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before then I left again. So you have to think about when are they open, how far it's going to take me to drive there. And, do they have a tour available? You you may plan that, map that out, and then you go to book the tour. And the morning distillery, you bought the ticket, and the evening distillery, you bought the ticket. But the other distillery that's kind of halfway in between that you were going to pit stop at, they're sold out. And it throws off your whole plan. So if you're going to do the Kentucky Trails, definitely plan in advance. They do have companies that you can hire that, that do that. But I found more pleasure in, in organizing myself. Um, you know, and but definitely plan in advance. If you just pop down to Kentucky and think that, oh, I'll just crank out a bunch of distilleries on the trail, you may find that you won't be able to because the tours are sold out. You know, you mentioned Buffalo Trace. And to, to that point, you can't just do a tasting at Buffalo Trace. You have to do the tour. Yeah. So if your mindset is, you know what? I, I've done all these tours. Yeah. There's the mash, there's fermentation, there's distillation. Barrel, I got it. I, I I got the idea. I get the gist. Yeah. I just want to taste. I just want to find my new favorite or maybe some of these limited allocations. 
in an, in an instance or specific uh, disorder like Buffalo Trace, you still have to do the tour. They don't just yeah. mix up the. Now, when we did the first time we were at Buffalo Trace, I mean, this is again, you don't know until you sometimes get there. Mm-hmm. They allowed us to sneak in on the back end of a tour yeah, that had already started, are. and we got to go to just do the tasting. Right. And you don't know, but to your point and what we've experienced, and this is a good, you know, for the listener about, you know, hey, think about it. If you're going to do one of these mega, you know, experiences. Also, even though it says they're open, call before you go, because you could drive 45 minutes and find out closed for a special event or, you know, hey, we lost power today. Something happens. It's life. It happens. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You need a plan. You need a backup plan. I mean, as I said, unless you have a lot of time, like a, a lot of time that you can go down to Kentucky and you can stay there and just go through all 40 plus distilleries that are on the trail. I mean, and obviously that's not all the distilleries that are in Kentucky. So if you want to, uh, Buffalo Trace being one of them, there's, or there are many others that don't uh, make it on the trail currently. So there's a lot of other places that you can go to other than just the 42, 41, 42, I think that are now on the two trails. Um, so you have an opportunity to do more, but yeah, really plan out. Um, I really, I like what you said about you know, you, you go to the you go to the tour and you hear about all right. These are this is the mash and the fermentation and and sometimes yes, having gone to so many distilleries, there are times I go and I'm like I just don't want to hear any more about fifty one percent corn and I, I mean I I can recite that in my sleep. Um, so I usually look for tours that are not the basic tour. I mean usually they're a little more expensive, but uh, a tour that is more than just we're going to take you through the the, the basic process. Um, so if you've done a lot of distilleries, you may want to find a few distilleries that really intrigue you and spend the extra money and do the tour either like where you get to meet the master distiller or you get to stave right out of a barrel. Um, find some of those opportunities. But then on the other side, there are plenty of distilleries that the property is not that impressive. The building itself is not that impressive. So you really don't need a tour. You can go and you can walk around and you can see their facilities and then just sit at the bar and do a tasting. And I would much rather figure out, okay, which distilleries don't interest me that much from either an aesthetic point of view or or a historical point of view. I'd say it's a, a newer distillery. They they opened up in in the year 2000, they're a small craft distillery and they're just in a small like little garage. I don't need a tour of that. I just want to go and try your product. So separate out the tasting places, the places that because of history or because of the, the the building, you really want to walk through and do the tour. And then the special places that you want to do the the more expensive or the, or the deeper dive tours. I think that you and I, we're going to get on a tour. We're going to go hit some distilleries <laughs> together because I, I think we share the same passion and the, the same enthusiasm. And you know, when you start to look at these larger ones, you get the history, you get the the um, expressions that they're putting out, all these old barrel bottle, um, pro, you know, things that they're providing and they're doing. But then when you get some of these craft distillers, chances are the person making the cocktail, the person that's going to give you the tour, the person that is the same one one Monday when that distillery is closed is the one distilling. And you're right. going to get so much of this story, this history, this this personalized, hey, I got a, ba- you know, hey, I got a barrel over here. Yeah. I was going to taste it. Come on over and, you know, you know, we'll throw a thief in there and we'll see what, what it tastes like. You tell me. Yeah. It's like, really? You want to know what I think? You know? Yeah. 
Um, but you, you know, when you, when you, th- I can share with you, um, you know, we've had the same experiences, you know, in a different way at a different time on the Kentucky area, even Tennessee and Pennsylvania and New York, whatever. But, you know, meeting some of these people and, you know, getting this, you know, one hour turns into three. Yeah, it does um, fast. <laughs> you know, especially when you, when you meet some of these, you know, small craft distillers that are next thing you know, it's like, it's not come on the tasting tour. It's, let me show you, let me show you my space. Let me, let me talk to you about, and you know, this is why I adjusted the temperature here. And this is why I chose this equipment. It's like, wow, it's mind blowing. It's so much fun. You know, the, the, uh, the larger distilleries, um, I'm not saying it's not possible, but because the larger distilleries are, they're, they're mammoth. I mean, when, if you go to a place like Jim Beam, for example, the amount of liquid that they're producing in a day is, is mind boggling. Um, they have to, because of because of the operation, they they kind of do have to treat the tour process, you know, a little bit more like an amusement park. You know, get the group, get them in, take them on the tour, get them out. I mean, there's just so many people flocking there, and there's so much going on that um, you you can you can take uh, you can pay extra for uh, a more like intimate tour, um, but it's really hard to have those special moments when they're just, you know, 20 people at a time, go, 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 go. It's the craft distillers that I really appreciate having those opportunities when if it's like a random Tuesday afternoon and let's say they open it, you know, at four, I like to go at four on Tuesday afternoon when they open, because for the first few hours, quite often there's no one there or just a couple of people there. And that's when I really can dive in. And if you, you're talking about connecting with people because of your interest and well, when they see your interest in their business and their product, they cannot wait to tell you and show you and be like, oh, you know what? We don't normally let people taste this. And then they pull out some bottle that's some special release that they want you to try. And it's those experiences that keep me going back and back and back to more and more distilleries. You mentioned Alaska. You haven't been. It's yeah. on your bucket list. You're going yeah. to be going there soon. Yes. Are there distilleries or are there places that you've already got on the list that you're going to be heading to? Um, I do have. There are a couple of there. There's not a lot of distilleries in Alaska. Um, there are a couple. Um, it's, I guess, mostly going to be how I how I'm able to fit in with all the rest of my activities that I'm doing. I I I, I do love distilleries and all that, but. I'm going to Alaska and I want to spend as much time hiking glaciers and, you know, being with wildlife as possible. So if I can fit it in, I will. Um, but that's not my main priority right now, but we'll see. So the goal was a hundred distilleries. Yep. You accomplished that moving forward. What's the future look like with, uh, for, for Kevin and imbibitude yeah. imbibitude. Yeah. So I have to give my sister credit for coming up with that name. Um, for her, it was the, attitude of imbibing that when you imbibe and you just have this joyous attitude and and the celebratory attitude so she was the one who came up with imbibitude so i give her credit for coming up with that name um imbibitude is just going to continue to explore distilleries cocktails um cocktail bars i i mean i have a laundry list of places around the world that i want to go be it a distillery or a bar um, or places that I've been to that I want to go back. Like, have you been to Jack Rose in DC? You know, it's funny. We have not been there and it's bizarre because it's almost like, 
<laughs> we go, but then we work our way around the edges, but never make it. And yeah. I think one time we were looking to get there when we were coming through DC and we just didn't go. It's just, but it definitely plays someplace we, we should get to and put on the, you know, experience and, yeah. and see what it's all about. I'll meet, I'll meet you down there. How's okay. That? It's one of those places. I mean, when you have 4,000 or I forget how many thousands, a thousand, something two, 3,000, I don't know, uh, bottles of whiskey, uh, there's no way you can drink them all. So I they had a 200-page menu, and I downloaded it, the PDF to my Yeah, it's online. Yeah, I, it is. It's great. Thank God it's online. So I downloaded the PDF version to my laptop, and I spent a, a couple hours going through the, the menu so that when I got to Jack Rose, I didn't want to spend a half hour looking at the menu. I wanted to drink when I got there. Um, so I, I picked out a whole, a whole bunch of them out of the menu so that I can just get there and order, but it's overwhelming. And then when you're there and you're, you're realizing, oh, I'm like, oh, but I want to try that. And, oh, but I want to try that. There's only so much you can have in one time. So Imbibitude needs several more opportunities to go and go to Jack Rose and, and just pluck a few more off the menu. Yeah. And, and it's so much fun when you find spots like that, because then they have barrel releases that are only yeah, for them. Right. That's, and that's true. It, it's 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 how this whole journey and how we meander through there. Kevin, this has been great. And I'm hoping that we, we, we need to make you like our um our, our one of our traveling correspondents. For, you I'll, know, in, I'll, in be a, Bi- I'll be a traveling correspondent for you. Imbibitude, <laughs> you know, this, you know, on the road with Imbibitude and uh, where where you visited next. I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, drinking with you, sipping with you in person and uh, maybe some exploring some places together when uh, when Dawn says, you know what, I I just need a break. So (laughs) (laughs) is there anything we haven't talked about today on the podcast? Anything you want people to know about you, listeners to know about you or uh, Imbibitude? How can they find you if they want to follow your journey? Sure. Um, I I just have an Instagram handle. It's just Imbibitude. Um, And that's I don't have any other. I, I just did this for me for like my personal hobby. So it's not something that I was like out there promoting with, you know, a website and, and stuff. So it's just, but if you're interested in seeing bars that I go to or, or cocktails I have or products that I'm interested in, you can check me out on Instagram at imbibitude. Kevin, this was so much fun. I'm grateful that you reached out to us and I'm grateful that you're a friend of fermented adventure. We definitely look forward to, as I said, let's meet in person. Let's yeah. uh, let's 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 bring the show on the road and uh, and just uh, have a great time. And I'll bring some samples from my my larger than normal whiskey collection. Yeah, we'll, 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 trust me, there are plenty of samples to go around, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> OK, thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Cheers. Cheers.